Hello and welcome to System Mastery, the only podcast that reviews old RPGs and is hosted by two guys and is called System Mastery. I'm Jeff, and along with my co-host John, I dive every other week into old role-playing games too foul and musty for the untrained eyes of the layman, and bring you years late reviews of games you never wanted in the first place. And folks, with clarity of purpose and sureness in my heart, I can safely say there's a doozy on the docket this week, for we are reviewing Panty Explosion. A game which not only has explosion right there in the title, but panties. Panties, people. Panties. How depraved can this game get? Will it drag us down into the muck with it? How much Japanese? So much Japanese, I bet. But enough drama. Let's get these panties started on today's System Mastery. Welcome back to System Mastery. As always, I'm Jeff, co-host John here with me. John, say hello to everyone. Okay. Hello, everyone. Oh, thank God. I thought you were just going to say okay. What? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> little John, say hello uh, to little, nice Little people. John, my co-host, is here today. <laughs> what? <laughs> little John, what is your opinion of the Mideast Crisis? Okay! <laughs> John, who do you plan to support in the uh, coming election of 2016? Yeah! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that insightful commentary, little John. All right, so this is the System Mastery Podcast, and as mentioned previously, we are covering Panty Explosion this week, a game from around 2006 or so. Ooh, Panty Explosion. Probably still in print, I'm going to go ahead and say. I'm not sure. Possibly. I'm not worried about it. We picked this one based on a fan recommendation and the title. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much all that there was to it, was the title. Comes to us from listener John B. So thanks Sloop very much John for that. B. <laughs> from, Sloop John B. Comes to us from listener Lil John B. <laughs> who had the following to say when he gave it to us. Sloop John B. Oh, love of God. <laughs> All right. Well, before before we dive into Panty Explosion, I really want to leave you folks wondering just exactly how many panties explode in this, this uh, tome of Panty Explosion. Greater than or less than. Yeah, but before we get to that, we actually have something special to deal with this week. A little housekeeping for the Patreon that we do. As always, we run our Patreon. If you want to support us for running these, specifically just these System Mastery episodes, you can do that. If you give us a dollar per episode, you get our bonus content feed. But if you're a magic, crazy rich person and you give us $10 an episode, after five episodes, we'll let you read cra- or send crazy shit to us that we will read on the uh, podcast for you, the listener. Now, this is a special event, as it is the first time this has happened. We actually have about four people who have been nice enough to do this. Most of them are still writing their things. But uh, listener Lawrence is all set for us to read some crazy crap. So uh, he wants, he specifically requested that John read the Song of Solomon for several of the early lines in his Dog Bites a Dick voice. And John, before we get started, can we get a little sample of that? Yeah, and then a dog comes out, bites your dick. Now, I, I was originally curious just from the letter if it was that he requested your impression of a dog dick. Which is just, this. sloop. <laughs> it's just nothing. But no, it's we know what it is. So, uh, with no further ado, this is the first 15 lines of the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. <laughs> Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. I am very dark, but lovely. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, like the tenants of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, were you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon? For why should I be the one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? Solomon and his bride delight in each other. If you do not know, O oh, most beautiful among women, 
follow in the tracks of the flock, and pasture your young goats besides the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you ornaments of gold studded with silver. While the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me such a sachet of mirror that lies between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in, in the vineyards of Engedi. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. So, thank you very much, John. Yay! Can I say the whole time I was hoping that, that your uh, dog bites a dick voice was actually uh, Vice President Joe Biden? Because <laughs> that's, that's what it sounded like to me in the middle of that when he my nard gave forth fragrance. I was like, oh, Diamond Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you get a shotgun? <laughs> Should I buy scorpion tickets? What do you think, kids? Hey, get off my Trans Am. <laughs> this guy's going to sit in for me for a couple of meetings of the city council. Nothing to, nothing to worry about. Well, i got to lay low for a while. <laughs> down in... Down old Mexico way. <laughs> well, anyway, that has been the Song of Solomon, brought to us by John, courtesy of Lawrence, uh, who was one of our big money Patreon subscribers. If you would like to hear us ruin the show by reading dumb crap at extensive length, all you gotta do is be a $10 subscriber for five episodes. Yeah, there you go. If, if you want to be a big money rustler, just like Lawrence, be sure to send us $10 P.O. Box 307. <laughs> also, just send us money as well. Whatever. All right, let's get to the actual game. So, panty explosion. So many exploding panties. Tell me all of the rules about panties exploding. How many dice of damage does a panty do when it explodes? What causes a panty to explode? Is, is it more fragmentation or plasma? Oh, yeah, it's like a pineapple grenade down there. <laughs> Just <laughs> well, it's sticky. I mean, you just throw these panties at the wall; they'll yeah, stick there for five seconds before they blow up. It's also exactly like a regular pineapple. It's like Dole Whip in my pants. There's nothing quite like the joy of watching a Spartan soldier run around with exploding panties on his head. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with his panties or on it. Okay, so the real truth, the big reveal of how many panties there are in this game. Are John? you ready? Are you ready for the big reveal? Go ahead, John. Tell him. Yeah, it's it's none. It doesn't fucking have anything to do with panties at all. The word panty only shows up in this game in association with the title. Explosion has to come after it every time. So if you do a, a Google search or, say, a word search in your PDF of this for panty, it will always have the word explosion right after because this game has no mechanics that have to do with panties and, for that matter, very few mechanics that have to do with explosions. Yeah, there's basically none that have to do with explosions unless you... Happen to be like, my schoolgirl finds dynamite. Oh, well, there is, if you uh, are psychic, you can blow up people's heads. Uh, that's true. That is an explosion of gore. However, you still need to do really well on your roll, otherwise you, you just, just give them a nosebleed. <laughs> well, that's an explosion of some blood vessels. Yeah, that's an explosion of a boner. <laughs> that is true, isn't it? Because that's yes. a whole Japanese culture yeah, that's, thing. Yeah, that's not just me being <laughs> disgusting. I mean, it is me being disgusting, obviously. Is that a, is that a, where did that come from? How does that, I mean... Is there a problem in Japan with guys getting boners and then, like, blood blood comes out their nose? Or I think it's, it's a like... A tension thing? Well, the whole idea of, like, blood rushing somewhere. Oh, yeah, okay. And then, so, yeah. so it's the more tasteful way of, instead of, like, I'm showing that this dude has a boner, he's just gonna get a nosebleed, so we're like, you know, you know. Yeah, it's kind of a thing you see in a lot of Japanese media, where they can't quite tell you what they're actually doing, but they can tell you something that's vaguely related yeah. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Alright. So, what is this game then, if it's not about panties or explosions at all? Why, it's about Japanese schoolgirls. Now, let's not get you confused and make you think, oh, okay, so this is like made, but you're a schoolgirl. Oh, good goodness, no. No, no, no. Why would you ever think that? This is straight up, do you want to play a literal Japanese schoolgirl who is worried about her exams and whether or not she will make the swim team? That's correct. Oh, will a boy like her? Does she have a popular cell phone with all the best features? Find out in an adventure of Panty Explosion. Oh, will your dad let you go to a party? Probably not. Will you have the Harvest Festival decorations in time for your trip to America? That's what this game is. Yeah, it's it's insane how boring this game ends up being, 
for being called Panty Explosion. It's Yeah, and you can tell it's a brainchild of one guy. Oh, yeah, 100%. There is some guy who's like, you know what I love? Japan. I love the fuck out of Japan. How am I going to sell people on my giant treatise on how rad Japan is? I'll put panties on it so people will think it's some sex That's got to be what it is, because this, this guy, the book is just the most insufferable. Like, if, you were, if someone were to talk to you about the stuff that's, well, we're talking to you about the stuff that's in this book, but if someone were to come up to you and be like, hey, man, let me tell you all about Japan and the Japanese schoolgirl culture, blah, 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 and then your head would blow up. Because you'd be like, oh, you sound like you've taken one year of Japanese and, and declared yourself an expert. Oh, yeah. You are constantly telling everyone how you can't wait to take your first trip to Japan and how there's so much more cultured and enlightened over there. And you love how manga and anime is so accepted, unlike Western cartoons. Yeah, and you've learned four words of Japanese and you use them constantly instead of their English counterparts. And you always have to tell everyone what it means in English after you say yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, guys, I don't think you understand why I know so much about manga. It's because I'm kind of a manga otaku, which is the Japanese term for nerd or a person who enjoys one particular topic a great, de- a great deal. I'm looking for a bento box that's very kawaii. It has to be kawaii. That means cute. And it needs to have more than two Nikobe, which is compartments. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, the guy who made this. That's you. That's what you sound like. That's what this book reads like. Okay, so anyway, how do you build a Japanese schoolgirl? Because Lord knows we're going to have to in like an hour. I have been asking myself that for years. Oh, every time I go down into my lab and I get all of my body parts together, I'm like, how do I build a Japanese schoolgirl? In ca- instead, you keep building Jennifer Grace. <laughs> uh, Is that right? She's the star of Weird Science, right? Is that? Uh, no. Was, uh, what? What's Angel? Something Angel? That was the TV show. Oh shoot, you're right. Okay, yeah. yeah. Anyway, you keep building weird science ladies. Yes. That's what you keep getting. I keep building Frankensteins. So many Frankensteins. Not Frankenstein's monster. I keep building Dr. Frankenstein. (laughs) Keep building just Frankensteins. Just members of of his extended family. Just Frankenstein's dad who's like, I'm disappointed in you, son. Frankenstein's dad. Frankenstein's dad sounds like a (laughs) euphemism for something. It's like, it's like the term, term like, oh, uh, uh, we're having steak tonight, but you know, in this family, we call it Frankenstein's dad. See, the great thing is, in the actual first Universal Frankenstein movie, Frankenstein's dad was a huge douchebag, who was like, Frankenstein, young Frankenstein, you're a douche. Oh, Frankenstein, you'll never build a cool alien man guy named Adam. No, he's like, give up this science shit and be a real man. Why don't you go hunting and get your dick wet? Come on, bro. Like, (laughs) oh, I'll show him. I'll build the bride of Frankenstein. And then I'll get my dick all dry, because she's just a dead body that's been animated. I like to imagine that I could use Frankenstein's dad as a term instead of a bro. Like, oh man, that guy's a real Frankenstein's dad. If you know what I mean. And then it'll get shortened to Frankenstein, and then be like, actually, it's Frankenstein's dad. Frankenstein was his son. (laughs) Frankenstein's dad's monster. (laughs) Which is what he calls his dick. I was going to say, Frankenstein's dad's monster is just a term for alcoholism. No, that's what he calls his wife. Oh! <laughs> Sorry, kids, can't hang out this weekend. Frankenstein's dad's monster's problems, if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, what the hell are we talking about? Man, I don't even know. What How just do you happened build there? a Japanese schoolgirl? <laughs> Man, All right, so, I went on a weird fugue. To build a Japanese schoolgirl, first you need to pick a real name for a Japanese schoolgirl. Try not to pick a name that would imply that they are unnecessarily sexy or flirtatious, because that's the advice that the game gives you. And then try not to give them a name from a popular anime or manga series, as those names are probably taken and well-known. Yeah. Oh, God. And then it gives you lists. Remember in, like, D&D books when it gives you, like, here's a list of all the names that rock monsters sometimes give their kids for, like, when you make a Goliath? (laughs) And you're like, oh, good, these are useful, because I I don't (laughs) know. As we all know, the Japanese are essentially rock monsters. (laughs) I always figured they were more like rock lobsters, but sure. (laughs) What I'm saying is... In the D&D book, they rarely go, humans. Okay, great. Here's a big list of names that humans have. Tom. David. Beauregard. <laughs> Man, if that was in the list, I'd be like, sold. Beauregard, I'll take I it. I am Beauregard P. Reginestein. <laughs> Reginestein. Yeah, Reginestein's known, monster. Known fighter of the realm. <laughs> but this in this book, it's like, here are 30 Japanese girl names. And then it gives you a big list of Japanese boy names, although you can't play a boy. No, of course not. Because this is all about being a Japanese girl. 
It literally says you cannot play a boy in this game, although the rules don't support that. There's nothing in the rules that would stop you. No, there's nothing in how you make a character that has anything to do with being a girl. No. So, okay, once you choose your name, then you have to go through uh, basically two things that you need to choose. These, these are the closest thing you're going to get to class and race in this game. The first one is your blood type. Yeah, so that's an actual big thing over in Japan is yeah. the whole... Uh, in the same way that we have a lot of Zodiac bullshit where people are like, Oh, you're Pythes, that means you're quick to be an angry man's thing. A Frankenstein's dad. You're monster. a real Frankenstein's dad. <laughs> if you understand where I'm going with this. <laughs> uh, no, okay. But yeah, they, they love blood type over there, and it's, it's a thing they use for... They love blood over there. Oh, they're just they're, crazy for blood. Oh, man, they can't get enough blood. Yeah, they're always like going to the blood bank and getting extra blood just injected. That's just yeah. a thing with them. You just go to the Starbucks and, you know, whenever <laughs> nice it's in season... Latte. They're yeah, like, yeah, give me that uh, blood spice latte. It's got all the flavors of spiced powdered blood. Yeah. <laughs> Mixed right in. No real blood in there, but it tastes like it. <laughs> God. Anyway, blood type is close to uh, our equivalent of Zodiac signs. Uh, if you ever wondered why they, it tells you Guile's blood type at the beginning of Street Fighter 2, it's because it's a Japanese game and people give a shit about blood type over there. It's not because he might need a transfusion after Chun-Li kicks his ass. Yeah, no. It, it's weird when you're American you first get that, like... Uh, Street Fighter 2 manual, and you're like, yeah. why do I care if Ryu is fucking A blood type? Yeah, well, in this game, that's the first thing you choose, and it helps determine your character's personality. So, for example, if you take type A, you are calm, composed, serious, and reliable. However, you are also shy, arrogant, and sensitive. Oh, yeah, that's Ryu immediately. I think of him. I think you're supposed to pick and choose from these. Like, these are the common comp uh, things, because you know how it is with Zodiac signs and that sort of shit is... It never fully describes you, but there's enough in there that you will see one thing about yourself and be like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's me. That's totally me. Yeah, that's why they always have so many nice things and so few bad things. Well, you know, it's also like, oh, I'm occasionally calm. I can be calm. Yeah. Calmer than you are. I'm known for being calm. I'm so fucking calm. Jesus fucking oh, I'm so calm right quit now. Quit asking about it. <laughs> I'm so type A. <laughs> Calm down, Frankenstein's dad. <laughs> All right, then type B is curious, bright, cheerful, enthusiastic, but also superficial and unreliable. You still laughing about Frankenstein's dad over do, there? Do you know who my dad is? I'm Frankenstein. I have Frankenstein's dad as my dad. He owns a dealership. <laughs> <laughs> it's a corpse dealership. He's got real pull in this town for corpses. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, type O is carefree, generous, independent, but also clumsy and flighty. Oop. And then type AB, which is considered the worst blood type. Yeah, because you're split. You don't have anything you do specifically. Yeah, you have to choose things. Normally they are sensitive, or sorry, I wrote down here sensivite. That sounds <laughs> They're sensivite. They're sensivites. Uh, they're also generous, independent, and flexible. Man, I remember when I had to go to the dentist because I had sensivite. Oh, I remember when I was living in Australia and I was putting sensivite on my toast. <laughs> See, it's like, hey, it's delicious. <laughs> it's real vendorant. <laughs> Don't eat too much sense of white. They'll turn you into real Frankenstein's dad. <laughs> Come on, Australia, do it. You know you need to. And the, But also type ABs tend to be strict and moody. And if you're wondering how I remember all this, it's because I wrote it down, because otherwise this crap would fly off me. Yeah, there's no way I would ever remember what a type B blood type was because I've never cared, nor will I ever have to again I, in my life. I, I'm a Sagittarius. I couldn't give two shits about what a Sagittarius is supposed to be. I don't remember. The thing is, I've even seen various things about like, oh, I'm a Virgo. What's a Virgo like? Okay, I've read 50 different things about Virgos, and it's all just, I don't know, you're pretty decent at things? Yeah, you, maybe you're smart. Maybe you're creative. I don't know. You like nice stuff, and you think good things about yourself. Hey, okay. you're right! Wow! Sometimes you're sad, but other times you aren't. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Alright, and then after you're done with that, after you finish choosing your blood type horoscope, then you move on to your next horoscope, because you have to use the Chinese zodiac in this as well. Yep. So, so you got to get your animal. So that that's determined by what month you're born in, and it doesn't bother with the Chinese year structure, it's just the month ones. So uh, we have to go through a big old list of these, so I'll just go through real fast. Rats are imaginative, charming... Clever, honest, but thrifty. Oh, thrifty rats. Yeah. Ox are natural leaders. They're patient and kind and talented and smart, but they're bullheaded. And they do this uh, month-wise as well, yeah. instead of by year. So these are just going, like, the rat January. was January, ox is February. It's going to go down the line that way. Yeah. Tigers are courageous, but rebellious. 
Rabbits are scholars who are peace-loving and talented, but they are also superficial and moody. If you notice that the same words keep showing up, it's because they do. <laughs> Dragons are magical, intuitive, artistic, and lucky, but they're also stubborn and overbearing. Snakes are quiet, wise, independent, and deep, but they are also stingy and procrastinating. Horses are independent, showy, sexy, and hard workers. There's no bad side. <laughs> Horses, you'll probably die when you look at your own shadow. Horses, don't let them touch a red plant. <laughs> Horses, nature's dumb idiots. Horses, nature's Frankenstein's dad. <laughs> I'm making it a thing. All right, and then uh, sheep, which sheep was hilariously long. I don't know why sheep needed so much nonsense, but listen to this. Sheep are generous, emotional, artistic, fashionable, creative, business savvy, intelligent, they forgive easily, they like animals and children, and their bad side is that they don't like being scolded. Unlike all of the other zodiac signs, which love being scolded. Well, that's their fetish. That's their fetish. Every other, yes. <laughs> Every other sign's fetish is being scolded. That makes perfect sense to me, which is, you know, we're talking about a, a country where everyone just reads porn on the subway. So, sure, they all have huge getting scolded fetishes. Everyone. Everyone. Every single person it's in Japan. It's mandatory. Yeah. I'm right. <laughs> I am correct on this. Look it up. These are facts. Jesus, don't be such a Frankenstein's dad about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> monkeys. Oh, my God. Monkeys are intelligent, inventive, fast learners. They're sharp and successful, but they're also opportunistic. Don't let them take notes for you, though. Yeah. One time I let a monkey take notes for me in class. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he wrote, my name is Bingo, and I like to <laughs> climb on things. Can I have a banana? Eek, eek. Yeah. I got an F. <laughs> Jesus. Roosters are aggressive, self-assured, conservative, and old-fashioned, but they're also boastful. Dogs are honest, faithful, likable, prosperous, and justice-minded, but they are also fault-finders and warriors. And finally, boars. Boars are good companions. Uh, str string? I don't know what I meant to I think there. you mean strong. Strong, thank you. No, they're string. <laughs> it's their string. They're string. They of, are made of string. Chivalrous, intelligent, indulgent, and cultured, but they are not deep thinkers. Which is good, because they are intelligent, though. Yeah, they're intelligent, but not deep thinkers. So they're not philosophical, they're just, like, science-minded. Okay, sure, that's in that makes sense for Bohr. So you have to take both of those things, and then realize that both of them just say that you're intelligent, independent, witty, smart, flexible, friendly, and generous, and make that your character. And then, you, uh, when you're done with all that nonsense, you also have to assign some stats, finally. Yeah, now the, the big thing, before we get to the stats, is you also have attributes that then go along... With your blood type and your uh, your zodiac, zodiac. sign. And, uh, these are basically aspects, just like fate. Yeah, so you have something like, alright, because I'm uh, like born under a dog and I'm supposed to be honest or faithful or whatever, I can say that like my aspect is everyone comes to me with their problems. Right, and if I'm born under the uh, sign of the rabbit, then I can say something like, I have a hot new cell phone with all the best features as one of your aspects. Yeah. And then for your blood type, you can be like, well, I'm type AB, so I can have an aspect that, like, I can never make up my mind or some shit like that. Right, and if you're type A, for example, then you can have down an aspect that says, I have a hot new cell phone with all the best features. Or if you're type A, you can be like, I have a Hadouken. <laughs> I have a Hadouken. <laughs> I, have a I like to uppercut waterfalls. I can do the old Street Fighter 2 versions of the super moves, so I can make a, uh, a sightset Baruken. Man, I never knew what the fuck he was saying. Whenever he would do his little spinning kick, I was like, Maja, 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 Maja. <laughs> Yeah, I always thought it sounded like a sightsep Baruchin, which made perfect sense to me. Yeah, I think it was just, I might set Baruchet. Yeah, you know what it actually is? No. Tatsumaki Senpu Kyaku. Yeah, which, no, that's not at all what is happening Well, that's there. just as good as a, street, as a uh, Super Nintendo's voice chip can handle. And also the fact that he doesn't have time while whirling around to fully yell, Tatsumaki Senpu Kyaku. So, he just doesn't. <sighs> Yeah, anyway, so you just uh, pick two of these and then pick one aspect out of each of them, and then you're going to choose your stats, and uh, you're going to choose one more aspect out of your stats that's going to be your third. Then finally you'll pick an aspect based around your friends and one based around your own hobbies to get a total of five aspects. Yeah. Okay, so the stats in this game are Earth, Water, Fire, Air, and Void, because if you thought we were done with organizing stuff along Japanese symbolic lines, you were wrong, because they also managed to shoehorn in the Godai. Yep, so we've got earth and fire and wind and water and heart. Yes, that's correct. We have heart replaced by void because Mati is dead. Yeah, and one of one of your characters will be playing as Captain Planet. He got hit by a car driven by that orangutan he was always hanging around hanging around with. 
Is that an orangutan? Jesus, that would be real weird if he was hanging out with an orangutan. What was he hanging around with? He's like a little monkey. It was a little monkey. I'm sorry, he was from South America, so it would be weird if he was hanging out with a Borneo ape. Yeah. Okay, fine. 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 I figured that maybe Plus, Captain... Plus, he'd be way more effective if he was like, Go get him, fucking giant-ass ape! Instead of, I've got, like, Apu from Aladdin. Apu could do way more shit than an actual orangutan. Actual orangutan wants to sit in a tire swing and eat a banana... But but yeah, uh, but that's all I want to do too. Uh, uh, so we'd be best of friends. <laughs> you'd be doing if you if you were a Captain Planet Planeteer, you'd be hard. So you could hang around with an orangutan. Yeah, I would just tire use, swing. I would walk up to like animals in the zoo and be like, "Heart, what's up, bro? What's up? Let's hang out. Hey, man, cool. <laughs> let's let's poo in our hands. <laughs> that's what I like to do. <laughs> yeah, give me some of that sweet potato. Am I right, bro? <laughs> bro, come on. <laughs> all right. So anyway. Let's go through what these fucking do. Great. Earth makes is for people who are stubborn and stable. You use it for uh, success rolls for strength and resistance. Water is for flexibility and adaptability, and use it for conflict resolution based around your flexibility. So you can use it to dodge things, but also to uh, evade arguments or avoid people who are trying to lob insults at you. Air is... I'm sorry. Uh, fire is for aggression and passion. You use it to attack with words or force. Or, like, run fast and stuff like that. Although, also... Except, no, it's you, not for running fast, because there's a different thing that's specifically for running although fast. Although fire is also for running fast. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Just use anything for anything, and have a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that the stats have the same bullshit, like, this is used for anything, as the rest of, like, the blood type and Zodiac. Three of them are used for talking to people. Oh, yeah. They're like, finally, you'll get to this. This is used for talking. This right. is talking. Because fire is used to attack with words... Air is for uh, resolving conflicts through through reasoning, and void is resolving conflicts through communication. Great! I I have no idea how... Anyway, oh, also you use void to find secret doors. (laughs) Yeah, if you're a dwarf, you're a little better at void. (laughs) That's not a void, you know. Anyway, uh, the way that these work is you have to assign one of them a five, one a four, one a three, one a two, and one a one. That is the number of dice that you have available to roll that stat... For uh, any particular conflict. To succeed in a, in a conflict, you have to roll at least one die showing a five or higher. There are three types of dice. Three? It's either three. Well, or- yeah. There's four types of dice, but basically, uh, what's going to happen is if you're going to resolve something, like let's say I want to force a door open. So that's Earth, because I'm trying to do a show of strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, I'd look down and let's say I've got two dice in Earth. I can decide if I want to roll just one or both. But if I use those, I don't have any more Earth dice left if I use both of them. During this conflict. And, it, yeah. and the conflict is basically the scene of this game, where some stuff is happening. When it's over, all of your dice refresh. So, at that point, I would take those and roll my dice and see if I get a 5 or better on however many I rolled. Now, you if may be I am, wondering... If I am the average student, I'm not anything special, I'm just a student, I'm rolling D8s. So you've got a 50-50 shot of getting a success if you are an average student. You may be wondering how the dice mechanic works, because we keep saying dice, and we have mentioned that there are D6s, D8s, D10s, and D12s. You may be wondering how that works. Like, do I have to build myself with a strength character who primarily uses D8s and strength? No. Uh, What you actually do, and John, why don't you tell him what it is? It's a great big... Wiener. It's a great big wiener. No, it's a popularity contest. Yeah, so the, the whole thing is, like I said, if you're an average student, then you're just D8s. Yeah. Then you have a vote. And what's going to happen is everyone in your group is going to vote on who they think should be the most popular student and who they think should be the least popular student. Your uh, DM is then going to get all the votes together and tally them up, and whoever wins the most popular student now rolls D10s. Whoever is the least popular student... Rolls D6s. D12s come in because if you're using one of your aspects, you bump up a die category. That's correct. If so you if you're the most popular trait, student yeah. with a, cat- a attribute, you can go to D12. Or if you're calling your boyfriend, you can use your cell phone, which has the, all the hot new features, to super call your super boyfriend. and get My super boyfriend! <laughs> and get your bonus there. So that, that can get you all the way up to a D12, which gives you a very solid chance of succeeding at, at a 5 or higher. Yeah. So... Great. But the problem is, if you're the, uh, like, the least popular student, you cannot do anything. Like, you are just going to fail at everything that comes up. By the way, one of the more interesting things you have to build when choosing your character is your best friend and your rival. They need to be other people who are in your party. Yeah, so they're going to be the other students. Yeah. And they can't be NPCs or anything. It has to be other players. Mm -hmm. 
and everyone picks sort of in secret who their best friend and who their rival is. Now, that's not just a, oh, in the game, this is my best friend and this is my rival. Oh, no, it's a game mechanic. Yeah. So the the person who is your best friend, if I succeed on a roll, my best friend describes what happens. So I might say, all right, I generically want to make fun of this girl because she's the new girl and I want everyone to like me, so I'm going to make fun of the new girl. I'd roll dice. If I succeed, my best friend then describes the scene of how I do that. Oh my god, she was so good at making fun of that girl. She told her that she looked like a Doraemon, and that Doraemon are completely out of fashion, and then she called her a up blue butt, which I had to stop and explain to the other players for about five minutes, but once we got back on track, we all agreed it was an amazing insult to level upon that girl. (gasps) Yeah, okay, and then if uh, you lose your die roll, then your rival describes what happens in the scene instead. They get to describe your failure. Yeah, so if you're like, oh, I want to go push this person over, and you fail, then your rival can be like, you attempt to push them. As you get next to them, you trip over your own backpack and go sprawling, and everyone laughs at you. A lot of This is the only time in the game where things like you can see people's underwear comes up, because every time you trip, then your rival's like, your, your skirt falls up, and everyone can see your spotty yellow underwear. Your brown shit field underwear. See, I like the idea that it, it has a little sidebar there where, like, the, uh, the the person writing the book is like, look, every time you get to describe someone's failure, don't describe them dying. Yeah, it was like, look, the the failure is commensurate to the risk that you took. So if the risk was like, I want to, like, make fun of someone, you don't go, as you're trying to say some words, you bite your own tongue off and bleed to death as you choke on it, you horrible Bitch. (laughs) You attempt to push the other girl over. Unfortunately, you fart out a series of whole plums in staccato machine gun fashion. (laughs) They bounce to the ground where they are eaten by capuchin monkeys. (laughs) Yeah, the fact that you get what you do described by someone else means even your best friend could be like, yeah, you push that girl over and then she falls down and her head breaks open and out come a whole whole host of spiders. (laughs) You're like, oh, okay. Let's All be, right. Let's be honest. This game's not very good, but this mechanic makes for the best party game in the world. <laughs> if you don't take this game seriously and you just play this mechanic where every time you roll to succeed, either the person you picked to tell what happens when you succeed or the person who picks you pick to describe what happens when you fail get to just set the scene moving forward is awesome. <laughs> it's, it's great creative storytelling. <laughs> Except it's just going to get wildly out of hand immediately. Oh, yeah. It's... The, the the big issue with this is, so, the rivals, everyone has their own rival, but I feel like it's this game of chicken to see who's an asshole first. Yeah. Because you, you might go like, oh, I failed. And your rival might say, oh, well, you stumble a little and you don't reach them, and, you know, the boy you like sees that you were clumsy, but he doesn't say anything. Like, you could be very nice about someone failing. But the second someone goes... Yeah, you fall over and then crap your pants and then vomit all over yourself. <laughs> you slide down the stairs on a ski made of crap and vomit. You're just spinning around. When you land, you're elected the president of crap and vomit by the friendly local mascot of your district. Yeah, so you could be a huge douche, but the second one person does that, it just opens the gates for everyone to be an asshole. Because then, whoever your rival is is like, oh, I'm going to fucking get you back you just roll one failure yeah (laughs) you just see (laughs) you wait and see you see as you as you spurt to the uh stratosphere (laughs) on a cloud of period blood (laughs) take off like a fucking rocket (sighs) like this hit a jet (laughs) this game is (laughs) like i feel like it doesn't want you to play that way but oh my god would i want to play that way (laughs) You successfully insulted the girl, and as so, you turned into a Tyrannosaurus Rex and bit off the head of the bully before she could say how you failed. (laughs) Which is the other thing that I feel like is is tricky, is that people could use the success thing. Oh, you're my best friend. Describe how this happens. I kill your rival for you. (laughs) All right, your your words are so amazing that they kill your rival. They cut through her, both figuratively and then literally. Great. But the the other thing you need to get as well is one of your students is going to be psychic. Well, maybe one. There well, should you be should. One. There is one. You have to have one, and they say you should only have one. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be someone that you're playing. 
So it, it should be. It should, one of you should be psychic, but you don't have to have a psychic kid. There could just be another psychic kid in school somewhere. But you do need a psychic person probably should be someone in your group. Right. Now, being psychic in this game allows you to replace any role you make, any void role you make with psychic dice, which are always D10s, and describe the effect as being sort of chilling and haunting, but very effective. So you can argue with someone, but your voice suddenly becomes like ten voices with whispers interspersed among them, and all the lights turn off in the hallway. Or you can stop someone from walking away from you by like, slamming the door in front of them closed with psychic powers. Yeah. Uh, and then you you also get two unique psychic abilities, one of which is levitation, and the other one is blowing people's heads up. Yep. That's the only real explosion in here is that one power. And the levitation thing is just, all right, you levitate, describe levitating. Describe how much you love. And, and controlling levitation is one of the potential goals of the game. Your character's like, I need to learn how to levitate more effectively. So levitating is... All they use it... Every time they mention levitation, they just use it to describe stopping someone from committing suicide. Yeah. Like, I'll levitate up to them where they're on the top of the building and tell them not to commit suicide. I guess because they couldn't think of anything else good to do with it. Yeah. I'll go save Charlie and his grandpa from that huge blade at the top of the bubble room. <laughs> oh, you failed. They they burp in your face <laughs> over burp, and over again. They burp in your face and you're embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> then you land on the ground and explode into a flat mat, but you're still alive. And then you're voted most likely to be a gross floor mat by the school's journalism council. Your crush walks up and wipes his feet on your face. Then you get mailed to China. <laughs> the <laughs> So in addition to that, you have the psychic student, and you also have to figure out who your demon is. Oh yeah, because the, uh, the first of all, the, the uh, DM of this game is the superintendent. You are the Super Nintendo. You're the Super Nintendo Chalmers of the school. Yeah. And uh, you all, you get your stat out, your own superintendent, and the teachers, and the school, using the same set of aspects and stuff. Yeah, everyone that shows up, you can just go, uh, he's got a few dice in whatever, he'll roll that. Right. And uh, as the superintendent, you have to design a demon that haunts the school. And the book says that demons have always haunted schools and have always been terrified of schoolgirls because schoolgirls have superpowers they can use to stop demons. Yeah, so it's always, the story always revolves around the psychic student. Yes. Now, the demon doesn't have to be a literal demon, so the demons can be an actual demon, it can be a ghost, it can be a shadowy government organization that's after psychics, Yeah. it can be whatever weird supernatural threat you want it to be. Could it be, for example, a Frankenstein's dad? <laughs> yeah. Frankenstein's dad, who ends up being your homeroom teacher, is a real Frankenstein's dad. <laughs> yeah. Alright, uh, so you have to choose this demon and stat them out. They are way more powerful than the students. Every time a psychic player uses a psychic roll, the demon gets two extra dice that it can use wherever it wants, and it always roll d rolls d10s. Now, the game, you're supposed to use some of its dice throughout, so like... Maybe you have a chance encounter with a student that is possessed by the demon. Or yeah. you meet one agent of this shadowy organization. So you'll you'll have it expend some of the dice before you get to the main uh, confrontation, which is the end of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, the Each student also has a goal that they want to accomplish, which we had mentioned the whole, like, uh, get your levitation under control. But it can be things like, my character's goal is to get a boyfriend. It's weird because there's like a big list of like 35 of them at the beginning of the book. And it starts where they're all like a paragraph and it's got a thing that you need to do and a thing you need to avoid doing by the thing you need to do. So it's like, you need to impress the boy who sits in front of you, but need to make sure that your teacher doesn't think you're shallow for spending all your time thinking about boys. And by the end of it, they've run out of steam and so the list is things like, get a video game. Yeah. Well, the... Okay. So the problem with this is, yeah, it means everyone has their own goals that they're trying to accomplish. That's great. That's a nice thing to have in your game. However, the problem crops up because at the end of the game, when you face the demon, anyone who didn't accomplish their goal, that gives extra dice to the demon. Mm -hmm. Which means everyone really needs to accomplish their goal before you get to the final confrontation so you don't get wrecked. Yeah. And it means you're going to pick goals like, oh, uh, I need a part-time job. Like, something I could just do, instead of, what I need is to make sure that there is no longer anyone, like, haunting this school. You're like, yeah, but if the demon is a ghost, you can't accomplish that until after the end. That's why you should always pick Find the Demon. 
is your goal. I've heard there's a demon in this school. I wish to find them. I did! Yay! Yay. <laughs> but no, a lot. most of them are just superficial high school girl stuff. Well, yes, there's some that's like, uh, make sure you get good grades on your next exam. Yeah. Uh, impress the girl who doesn't like you. Yeah. Make sure that no one finds out your dark secret. Eat lunch on the roof of the school without anyone bothering you about cigarettes. <laughs> That's the sort of shit that you that you have to do. And the problem is most of those, if you pick that kind of superficial one, real easy. You're like, oh, I need to get a Doraemon keychain fob for my cell phone. Okay, All did right. it. You did it. You went to the local coffee place that also has a bunch of little uh, coin dispensed toy sellers and got your little keychain. Great, done. Hooray. Alright, so, okay. You fight this demon, and it's the last fight, and then the fight's, the game's over, and you roll up new schoolgirls school and try yeah. again. And that's essentially the the only part where he's really saying that uh, anything should be lethal. Like, if you fail and you're fighting the demon, that's a point where someone might die from a failure. Well, Lord knows there's not, like, a health track or an armor class or anything like that in the game. It's just descriptive. It's all narrative control. And the big thing is, you as a group are attempting to fight this demon at the end. Which brings up a conflict of interest for your rival, who might be like, oh yeah, here's my time, I can finally fuck you up. But you're like, but if I do that, then there's one less per- person to fight this demon, and then I'll probably just be fucked. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's gonna be full of, oh, you failed to fight the demon off of you, but you fart and he doesn't eat you. <laughs> it's real embarrassing <laughs> for your you, though. Your rival's on your side, they're just, they're just trying to help you out in stupid ways. <laughs> yeah. The demon bears down upon you and pins you to the ground. But you're like, oh no, stop it! And the demon's like, that's my fetish. (laughs) The demon wrestles you to the ground, and then your horrible boobs scare him away. Your horrible, stupid boobs. (laughs) Write down that he has horrible boobs. (laughs) That's canon now. That's canon. That's in the game. Those boobs are horrible. (laughs) They're the worst boobs. That's going to be the sequel to Panty Explosion is Horrible Boobs. (laughs) And it will have nothing to do with boobs. No, nothing at all. It'll be the game where you play as guys. Yeah. Because they, by definition, have horrible boobs. Right? They have the worst boobs. It's true. Okay, so... <laughs> that's that's basically the rundown of how to play the game, but that doesn't mean the book's over, because now we enter, like, 30 pages of about a 95-page book that's just nonsense that proves this guy knows a lot about Japan. You guys. Don't, oh, yeah. Don't worry about it. Which, some of it, I go, alright, I get it. If you want to say... Here's what life is generally like in a Japanese high school. Like, these are, they have cram schools, they have a lot of exams they need to do. They spend a lot more time in school than American students do. They are definitely pressured to take a lot of extracurricular things. So you'll do art or swim team or something, you are going to have an extracurricular. Yeah, and a lot of of, uh, high school culture there revolves around getting ready for various major events and festivals. There's like ten of those a year, so they spend a lot of time getting ready for the gold ceremony or the meadow ceremony and so on. I'm making those names up, by the way. Don't, I mean, it's fine. No. The, the only holiday... It's just like, what is this? The Winter Festival. Yeah, the only, the only holiday about I, I know about in Japan for real is the one where everyone parades around giant penises. So, so uh, that's. I assume that they all get ready for that. I, I like that in my mind I had both that they were parading around with giant penises... Or that they had a parade that went around a giant penis. It was like, there's giant penises lining the street, and they're sitting there clapping for a parade that is going around them. Little known fact about Mount Fuji. It is a giant penis? Yes, that's that's exactly where I was going. Great. Right to Mount Fuji, the biggest penis in Japan. (laughs) The world's biggest chode. You know, now that I think about it, that's a pretty great name for a porn actor, too. Mount Fuji, the biggest penis in Japan. (laughs) Great. I like that. I'd see his movies. Well, one of them. I mean, after I'd you, see, you, you've seen one, you've seen them all. I know, yeah. Until he starts working with Takashi Miike, trying to get, like, his, <laughs> his, his respectability back, you know? I'm trying to reinvent myself. <laughs> now that, I would watch. Right, of course, you wouldn't watch that. Right? Okay, so uh, there's a huge section on Japanese history, and it really starts out with the whole, like, oh, well, Tokyo... A thousand years ago was a tiny fishing village called Edo. Now, normally, the people that lived here would be fishermen that had a concern about... And it just goes on, and I'm like, 
This has no bearing on this game. During the Heian period, everyone wore their hair down, as was the style of a Chinese princess. Just, oh, shut up. Like, I could see it. I could barely see it if the game was like, oh, maybe your character is the reincarnation of an, of an ancient princess, or th- there's a ghost that's an old fisherman from the Edo period haunting your school. But no, it's a demon, and don't worry, he does provide you a list of 30 real Buddhist demons. Oh yeah, he gives you a bunch of demons, or ghosts, or like, yeah, demigods. But the end result is he gives you all this history... Because he knows it. Yeah. It really just feels like, oh my god, you guys, I read about this district and let me tell you about how cool it is. Oh my god, guys, Akihabara district. It's such a great place for otakus. Though That means nerds. <laughs> no no self-respecting schoolgirl would be caught there, though, unless that o- that girl is an otaku. That's a Japanese word for nerd. Just according to Kaikaku. That's Japanese for plan. <laughs> god, I love that image. Ugh. <laughs> 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 oh. Yeah, so the the fact that this is a like 100-page book and a third of it is given over to let me just tell you what I know about Japan. Oh, he, he tells us how many synagogues there are in Japan. Great. You know what? I have Google. If I want to know that, I can go to Google. If I was really intent on playing a Japanese schoolgirl who is a Jew, then I would have figured out that that information because I already was in the mindset to play something weird. Yeah. No, it's it's so weird. Like, I get when you do that and it's, like, a fantasy or a sci-fi game because you're like, this is some weird planet. Here are all the things that I made up for this planet. But when you're like, here's Japan. Let me give you all of this information about Japan. I go, yeah, but I I can find that. It's Japan. It exists. And this isn't fantasy Japan. This isn't sci-fi Japan. There's no fucking giant mecha running around. It, it There's well, no alternate history of Japan in this game, no. you are a regular Japanese schoolgirl. And that also gets consistently drilled into you. There's a there's a chapter in this book about the seriousness of sexual violence in Japanese high school. Oh yeah, they're like, well, there's a real problem with suicide among Japanese high school students, and there's a like epidemic of teachers that are molesters, but no one reports it because it'd be against their cultural mores. And you're like, okay, what? Do I have to use this stuff, or... Like, are you telling me that I should have the homeroom teacher be a big pervert? Is that what you're well, telling probably, me? probably, because that's how it always is in anime, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. And it always goes to, like, you'll need to stay after class. Ding! And then, like, you just see, like, his glasses are white fully, and you can't see his eyes. And... Yeah, or he looks normal, but then all of a sudden you can see one of them has big boobs, and he gets a nosebleed and a giant sweat bead on the back of his head. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, eh? Like, that sort of, that's... That's the sort of thing you would get. It, 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 blech. Anyway, the whole thing's just sort of unpleasant. I mean, yeah. it's interesting history, but it just... Why is it in there? No idea. It And it just keeps going. Yeah. I don't know why. Anyway, there's some really neat stuff and there's some really bad stuff in this game. But why don't we get into that in a little segment I like to call... We don't have a name for this segment. Pony time. Pony time. A little segment we like to call Pony Time, <laughs> where we discuss our favorite and least favorite parts of the game, and then describe whether or not we'd play the game. We call that segment Pony Time. I think for obvious reasons. Obviously, let's get down to brass ponies. <laughs> let's get into those Pony Time brasses. All right, John. What would you say is your favorite thing about Panty Explosion? Okay. Uh, I think the best thing in this is. Pr- I mean, it's probably going to be the uh, the rival best friend system. Yeah. It's so good that you have this, uh, this tension between your players. Because so often you get into the idea of, like, the DM being adversarial. And in this, it takes it completely out of his hands. And while I did mention before that, like, oh yeah, your rival has a lot of incentive to not actually fuck you over that badly... But, they have a lot of things that, like, it doesn't matter as long as they don't kill you. They can be as much of a dick as they want to. So, if you're a rival, you can be a huge asshole. If you're someone's best friend, you're like, oh great, I'm gonna make it so that this person just, like, messes your shit up. Like, you have an interesting dynamic. And the fact that it's not set up where, like, alright, everyone needs to have, like... A different best friend and a different rival. So if someone's someone's best friend anymore already, they can't be someone else's. Like, you can have one person be two people's rival or two people's best friend. Whatever. Yeah. It's all picked on whoever you want. Your best friend can also have you listed as a rival. 
Yeah, so it's it'd be really interesting. It's got an interesting system to it. I like it a lot. I really like the whole rival gets to describe when you fail thing because it's so much fun. That's like the best part. Like you're like, oh, I'm gonna go tell the boy I like that there is a summer dance. You fail and you barf up a half chewed <laughs> copy of Doki Doki Panic. <laughs> Good. I like that it's half chewed. It's half chewed. Like, it comes out, half of it is chewed, the rest, solid. Perfectly fine. Probably still playable copy of Doki Doki Panic. Which, if I may pause for a second and explain to the other players in this game, that's what they call Super Mario Bros. 2 in Japan, because it was originally a festival that was the Doki Doki Festival, featuring four characters that were based on Middle Eastern inspirations, who they repurposed into a Super Mario 2 game, when the original Super Mario game, Now, Doki Doki Panic is also referencing that your heart is beating fast, because you are so excited. That's what the Doki Doki is. Yeah. Oh my god. So, okay. There you go. You That's, know, that is 100% the best thing that this game does. Yes. Is that friend-rival uh, dynamic... Because it lets everyone be interested in what other people are doing as well. You never get a point where even if... Because your friend or your rival describes what goes on in a scene, even if they're not there. Yeah. Alright, and then my favorite thing, because unfortunately the only good thing in the game is taken. uh, I'm going to say I kind of enjoy the aspect system where you just choose a few things that your character gets extra uh, bonuses for. Well, yeah, it's a very modern game design idea. I also like that there's no instant death or anything or there's no wound tracks there's none of that that's all been stripped clear this game's very simple to build a character provided you're good at remembering a bunch of nonsense about zodiacs yeah which the people who are super into this are gonna be those kind of people anyway right so that i I like that this game's quick to build i also kind of like the you have 15 dice you could potentially roll during any given conflict and when you're out of dice you're done with the conflict yeah and it's because there's so much overlap between everything like you can just make whatever die you want. You're like, oh, I ran out of water dice, so I can't really dodge. I guess I'll use air to say I move quickly and get out of the way. Right, or if you run out of fire dice to argue with someone, you can instead communicate with them using void. The only thing you can't do is combine your dice. You can't be like, I'll use one void die and one fire die to argue with this guy about this. Yeah, you have to do it all from one thing, but you've got a decent amount of dice to do for any conflict. And you can always end early, just be like, I try to run away. Yeah, and 15 dice is actually decent in that it's small. Conflicts need to be resolved fairly quickly, which I like. Yeah. So that's good. All right. So I'll say that's my favorite thing. And then, John, pony time, round two. What would you say is your least favorite thing about Panty Explosion? Uh, okay, least favorite thing. Just like when we got into Furry Pirates, my least favorite thing is... It's so misleading. I really want to talk about Furry Pirates as well, because it's it's a parallel. Yeah, it is straight up, you look at this title and you go, Oh, I know what I'm getting into. This is awesome. I know exactly the type of game this is going to be. I want to play that type of game. You open it up, and it has nothing to do with it. So what you're saying is that you were really hoping that this game would be all about panties exploding so you could play that game? Or, well, it's... Are you describing, you hear, you're describing a fictional hypothetical person? Well, no, when you hear Panty Explosion, you think, Alright, well, this is going to be... Like, at a minimum, a, like, high school sex romp anime. Right, I was sharpening my fetish joke knives as yeah. soon as I read the title. I was like, oh man, I can't wait to talk about gross fetishes. Let's do this. Not a one. No. Well, no, no I think the whole game is someone's gross schoolgirl fetish. It's just that it's not... His fetish is more like, I want to find a waifu who is pure and chaste, instead of, I want a big-boobed woman with a tentacle in her butt. It's not so much the, oh, I want to look up a schoolgirl skirt, as it is... Oh, look at those outfits. They make them look so kawaii. Yeah. That means cute. Oh, God, yep. <laughs> yeah, so the fact that the whole game is ridiculously misleading in that fact means I have no idea who this is for. It's because for Jay Richmond, the yeah, author. Yeah, it is, it is 100% for him. Because either you're tricking people into buying it who thought they were getting a different game, and then the people who might want to play this game are going to look at the title of Panty Explosion and go... Oh, that's treating the my beloved Nippon as something gross and disgusting. I will not play that. I when I googled this so I could get art assets to put on the uh, on the site, I noticed that people on Reddit were talking about how the title is a joke about how people perceive schoolgirls. That like the whole thing is supposed to be sort of like a, a sarcastic pomo equivalent of a title. Great, but that doesn't come through. It's just the title. Yeah. It'd be like if you called your Dungeons and Dragons game like like you know Mountain Dew. <laughs> it's Mountain Dew the game. Yeah, uh, it's it's called that because people 
No, it would be ironically like, associate Mountain Dew with this game. It'd be like if I created a fantasy game called Murder Hobo, and then the whole thing was just taking place in court, and you never fought anyone. That's yeah, that's closer. It'd be like, great, thanks. <laughs> so, all right, my least favorite thing. For yeah, a, what po- what is your least favorite thing? Pony time round two. Uh, pony time. Uh-huh. Uh My favorite thing, and I've I've been going on about it throughout the whole episode, is I the zodiac thing is so open and flexible that it feels like you didn't even need to do it. I mean, there are there are nine of the twelve zodiac signs where you can choose choose because it says intelligence under them. Yeah, like anything that you wanted to do, you could probably just pick. A zodiac sign and do it. You could play it randomly and get away with it. You could roll a d12 for that, a d4 for your blood type, and still play the character you wrote up in the first place before you did that. Yeah, you could make a full-fledged character, randomly roll for that, and go, yeah, that works. Yeah, that fits perfectly. That makes sense to me. So, it, it just takes up so much of the book with these, oh, here's what a rooster's like, here's what a snake is like, and it's just meaningless. Uh, yeah, it's... I guess if you were to be like, you know, I, I know people who are hardcore astrologer types... And, you know, they'll be like, oh, I know the seventh planet in your ascending symbol, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, if you get that far into drilling down a person's personality, then I'm willing to, like, look at it because it's funny. But at this point, it's just like, what are roosters? Roosters are self-assured. If you're a rooster and you're reading that, you're like, yeah, I'm fucking self-assured. Of course I am. God damn it. Well, yeah, that's why so many have intelligent, because everyone thinks of themselves as being fairly intelligent. No one's like, man, I am a huge dumbass. Yeah, the other one that shows up a ton is independent. No one's like, I'm a sheep. I mean, even sheep in this are independent. Yeah, that's, that is also great. That the sheep sign is independent. I guess it's just because of one of those cultural differences. Whatever. So I'm going to say that's my least favorite is character creation in this game. Short of the part where you're choosing dice for things, feels pretty meaningless and, and just avoidable. We also, we mentioned the aspects. You get an aspect off of each of those, and then you choose one aspect for your hobbies, because, again, a Japanese schoolgirl actually does have a lot of extracurricular shit. You have to be like, yeah, I'm in the archery club, and then another one for your friends or family. Yeah, so you might have something that's like, oh, my dad is always away on business, so I have to have that. My little brother, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you know what else I really wanted to talk about in this that we didn't get to, and I might as well put it in because of my least favorite, we're still talking least favorite, the examples of play in this are hilarious. <laughs> First of all, all of the examples of play feature Bill, a guy who doesn't want to play. Bill Bill shows up in every example of play as someone who is not paying attention to everything. Yes. Like, okay, so, like, Jill does this, and then this happens, and then someone does whatever, and then they ask Bill what his opinion is, and he looks up from the picture he was drawing and goes, what? And they have to explain it to him. Yeah, and they keep giving you that example, like, this is the perfect game for playing with someone who doesn't even want to play this game. Because you could just keep asking them what they'd like to do, and they'll say, whatever, and then you go along with that. And then also, during the uh, examples of play, let's see, what are the other things about examples of play that are great? One whole set of examples of play, in fact, the first one is two of the main characters bullying a schoolgirl. Yeah, the first real example of back and forth with the dice is, alright, there's this girl, and she wants to bully the new girl, and... They do not let up, even after a bunch of dumb shit happens. Yeah, and the and the new girl is an NPC. They're not bullying each other. There's their gang. The party of player characters is ganging up on an NPC new girl. Yeah, that's, and so it's that's like, the story. All right, she tries to make fun of her, and then tries to trip her, and tries to push her, and does all this stuff. And the whole time, the NPC character is like, "I'm not gonna like say anything back to you. I'm gonna try and leave." And the whole thing, it's just like, man. If this was an actual scene playing out somewhere, I'd be like, you're a bitch, Jesus. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then, You're being uh, a real Frankenstein's dad right <laughs> just now. Just a total Frankenstein's dad. <laughs> and then, if you thought I was kidding earlier with the whole, like, having to stop the game to explain Japanese stuff to each other, that's another major th- uh, thing in the examples of play. During that bullying scene, there's a whole part where... Uh, one of them makes fun of the girl for having a Doraemon chain sticking off of her cell phone. And then it says the the play is paused as they explain who Doraemon is to the people at the table who do not know. And then explain how he is for younger people than high school students. And then explain how it would be gauche to still have a keychain featuring the lovable time-traveling cat Doraemon as, your char- as a character fob hanging off your cell phone. Yeah, I've got a key fob of Doraemon the Exploraemon. <laughs> And that happens every time there's an insult or something that gets bandied about in this game, is it's some weird Japanese reference, and then they discuss how they have to pause the game and, and explain the Japanese reference to everyone. Yeah, again, 
who is this for? Like, if you're one of those people that does actually have a, like, big interest in Japan and Japanese culture, okay, do you have, like, four friends that do as well? Because you're probably going to be the one running it, which means your friends have to be the one making those references, and they're not going to. Okay, and John. Pony time. Lightning round. <laughs> would you play this game? Uh, you know, I would... I'd, I'd steal the rules. Uh, yeah, I was like, I would play this game, but I wouldn't want to do the setup that they have. The idea of, you make a guy with five aspects, you have a uh, friend and a rival, and then you have a big bad. Mm-hmm. Like, that as just a setup for the rules, great. That's fine. Uh, otherwise... Uh, I just, I'm not into the setting, so I would use the rules for something else. Yeah, no, that'd be perfectly fine. And that's the thing I want to ask. Why is it always Japanese schoolgirls? Why? What what, what do I have to do to get a game that's about Costa Rican (laughs) schoolgirls? I'm sure they live rich, interesting lives. Yes, the richest. I mean, come on, it's always, oh oh, yeah, because Japanese school is so interesting. I'm sure German school is also very interesting. Let's read about that. Dude, I would totally play a German school. Right? Like, let's let's do that. That's what this game should be. We'll call it Das Panty Explosion. <laughs> That's right. Das Panty Explosion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they don't have the Mexican system. God damn it. <laughs> okay, so... But yeah, it's it's just so annoyingly fetishy. It's always Japanese schoolgirls that show up in nonsense like this. But it, setting that aside, it, it's just... It, it's not an interesting setting. I mean, I, I guess it's very interesting to them. But it's so specific, and you could just as easily use what are not terrible rules to run all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. Honestly, if it was just, you're in school. Yeah. Like, make a guy, make a girl, make whatever you want, but you're in a high school and there's some threat, sure, fine, that works. I'll tell you what game I would love to play with this. Justice League, staying in the Tower of Justice. (laughs) Caddy Justice League. Yeah, Caddy Justice League. That's what this game should be. Where instead of being the ST, you play as the Martian Manhunter, and you stand up at the top, and you keep giving instructions about what people have to do in the Tower of Justice. (laughs) John Stewart, you need to go to class. And he's like, I don't want to go to class. And then his best friend Flash is like, he looks so cool when he said he didn't want to go to class. Yeah. And then Red Tornado's like, I'm going to try to push him over. Oh no, I farted a tornado. (laughs) Yeah. That is what this game would... Ten times better, right off the bat. Done. (laughs) Happening. Superheroes... Played in panty explosion, done. Never actually do anything. And then eventually you have to fight a supervillain. Oh, well, like yeah, at the end of being catty, there's some supervillain. Well, it's always up. Rachel Ghoul. Do you get it? It's always Etrigan. Etrigan shows up too. Yeah, of course, because he's the other demon. <laughs> it's always the blue demon. <laughs> the blue demon. But Etrigan and the blue demon are good guys. Yeah, well, whatever. They show up. They they're, don't like you, you know being what? so catty. They're bitches. That's what it is. They're, they're the mean girls of, of Justice League catty. <laughs> you can't sit with us. <laughs> We're talking in rhymes. You're not. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the blue demon talks in rhymes, but you I know mean, what? He may as well. For this, sure he does. <laughs> they're both sitting over there with Mr. Terrific, and they won't share their cigarettes with you. <laughs> Excellent. And you got to play as the shitty Justice League. You're all booster gold and... <laughs> Aztec. <laughs> uh, you're the lesser hawk girl. The lesser hawk girl. All right, so there you have it. That is Panty Explosion, a game that is not about panties and it's not about explosions. There you go. We did it. We did it. We didn't done do it. If you have a game you would like to hear us review, please send that on- along to systemmastery at gmail.com or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. You can find us at all of those using just the term System Mastery. We're very, very accessible. We're Uh, so accessible. Oh, we're so easy. It's so easy to get a hold of us. Look, man, all you need to do is say we look pretty, and then we're basically yours. That's that's all there is to it. Uh, Otherwise, you can support us on Patreon, as we (laughs) mentioned back at the very beginning of the show. Uh, We do bonus content. If you're a subscriber at any level, you get our bonus content episodes in which we make characters and discuss them using the books we review, which means that we're just about to go make a couple of schoolgirls and discuss them at length. So don't miss out. Support us on Patreon and hear about our terrible schoolgirls. Mine's going to be a fucking guy. (laughs) I'll show them. I'll show them all. And uh, as always, don't forget to check out our various other shows. We have the Afterthought Podcast every other week. 
when we don't do system mastery, that's a question and answer session. If you want to send us questions, go right ahead. We try to discuss the the uh, topics of gaming, and then we give up and answer fan questions, because they're always better than any topic. Yeah, so any questions you've got for us that are super weird, dumb questions, go ahead, ask away. And then there's movie mastery. Send us a movie. We will put it on a big list. We will roll a die. We will watch a movie off that list, no matter how stupid it is. We will watch it. We will we, watch. Oh my god, if we ever Mechanical Violator Hakider. We'll watch shit like that. So, uh, by all means, send us things along. Torture us with terrible movies. Yep. We just have to be able to get them. And that's the Movie Mastery Podcast. It's a whole separate deal. It's got its own RSS feed. You can find it on the head, the homepage of System Mastery. No problem. Thank you very much for listening this week. Yeah, thank you so much for your patronage. If you want to uh, support and get to the, uh, the level where you can get me or Jeff to read some dumb crap on air, go ahead and do that. We are looking forward to doing this in the future as well. That is true. And, uh, in fact, we have at least four or five people lined up who are going to get a chance to do exactly that. Finally, we actually have a plug for someone else this week, a good friend of ours, a friend of the show. She supplied me with useful reading material when we've had to do these anime games before. Uh, my friend Lauren runs a anime and uh, rare Japanese collectibles shop. So if you actually are listening to this episode because you're in to Japanese animation and Japanese culture, I'm real sorry that uh, people keep sending it to us because we are not the right people to review it. But my friend Lauren is. So if you want to visit her store online, it's called Anime Coast. You can find that at animecoast.myshopify.com. They have all kinds of cool rare anime, cool manga, stuff, stuff like that. Stuff that you would only find in Japan because they go there and then bring it back. Yep, it's a really neat store. And they have a uh, code. If you go to uh, myshopify.com for Anime Coast and you enter the code Cheese Dudes, All one word? No, it's two words. Two words. Two words, Cheese Dudes, you'll get a discount. I think it's 10%. So head on over there, get a 10% discount on cool anime stuff, and uh, they'll be able to track that we did that. They are not paying us. They're just friends of the show. Yep, we are just lovely, good people that like to support everything Japanese. That's what we like to do. We don't like to just make fun of Japan and make stupid guesses and stereotypes about it for no, hours that's, on end. that is for England only. <laughs> that's what we do about England. And have a wonderful week.